Just a couple of things to pick on <coughs> what's been said. Uh, I think we've mentioned the Ask Me This five times today during the news, though, Kathy. It's not a mysterious thing out in the middle of nowhere. As you go through those doors, there's a desk there called the Ask Me Desk. At the end of the service, there will be somebody there just to help you in any questions you might have about today or anything that's been said today or any questions about church life and what was on the news. Darren did say there's one thing women are better at, it's talking. But also when it comes to the conferences, something the women are also better at is they pay it up. Okay, they pay it, they don't wait till the last minute and say, I can't afford £150. They're smart enough to pay like £10 a week or a month or £20 a month. So when the conference comes, they've got more money there than what they need. So they've got spending money as well. So guys, if you think oh, that's a lot of money, why don't you just put, Natalie Kelly will handle all yeah, can he details? She'll know what's put to you, okay? She'll know that when you've put the money in, that is your money and not somebody else for the conference. So please think about that in advance. And also we put in there from next month, uh, we're embracing change. And one of the changes we're having Sunday night service, that's because, and if you go to the live group this week, you'll see more detail why we're doing that. But the reality is we live in a different world from, say, 50 years ago. And 50 years ago, when I was going to People didn't do anything on Sunday mornings. Guys, didn't they? Or boys, didn't they? Children, didn't they play football? People didn't go to Ikea for a day out and stuff like that. And the idea, we're given an opportunity for those who can't make Sunday mornings. People work Sunday mornings. We want to have an opportunity out with the Sunday morning for people to come and hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. We want people to experience Jesus Christ. We believe Jesus is the answer. And the main reason for that is for reaching people who can't make Sunday morning. That isn't to say you don't come Sunday evening because you're here Sunday morning. Because they change the atmosphere. When you come, the atmosphere changes. And the atmosphere, and we want people to have a, an opportunity who can't at the moment hear the great news about Jesus comes and changes life. Jesus, the greatest Jesus. And if you're in here today and you've never met Jesus, this is not my preach, by the way. This is probably better. So enjoy this bit. The preach will be a bit tougher. Okay, that Jesus Christ is the greatest person you could ever meet. Jesus Christ came into the world and died for you to give you a new life. That's why we're, call, we're calling you life because Jesus come to give, a, give us a new life. He come to wipe the slate clean and give us forgiveness. And that's why we sang about the cross, set us free from all the sins and all the, the, uh, the, the guilt that was ours and the punishment for our sins. And Jesus took it all and he came to give us a new life, an abundant life, or more than you could ever believe or imagine type of life. And we want people to experience Jesus. And if you've never encountered Jesus in that way, today you can say, Jesus, I want to know you in this personal way that these other guys seem to. And I want to tell you, Jesus wants to come into your life and give you an incredible, wonderful new life. Just speak to somebody. We have an ask me that I have a response point. If you're in here and you want to know Jesus, you want to accept Jesus, you want to find out what do I do, what do I need to do to experience you, you just go to that response point at the end and people will help you in your journey. Okay? That was a bonus. This is the bit you pay me for. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 6. I'm reading from New, Life, New Loving Translation. It should come up on the screen here. Daniel and Lions then, we know this. If you've ever been to church since any age, you'll have heard this story. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. 
Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then he told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of his, this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve, so faithfully rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? We'll stop there because that's all I told them. You know, if you know the story, that God did rescue Daniel. And then the king and all the nations turned to Daniel's God because he rescued them, him. A reminder that this month we're focusing on embrace. This is a year to embrace. And this month is a year to embrace serving. Now the trouble is when we talk about serving, sometimes it gets a negative like, connotation. When we think of serving, 
we think it's like hard work, we think it's demeaning, we think it's like not appreciated, not, uh, not well received, it's not valued, and it just seems like hard work, and it seems as if, oh no, I don't want to get involved in that type of thing. And the reality is, we all like to be appreciated. No, we can say the things like, oh, you don't need to thank me, it's okay, oh, oh, I'm doing it from the heart and all the rest of it. But the reality is, let's be real, we all like to be appreciated and we all like to be accepted and affirmed with people and recognize that we're doing stuff. We do. However, let me just say, as pastor, leader of the church, and if you're serving in this house in any way, you will never fully be recognized and appreciated in the way that you should be. We try to appreciate you and value you, but you'll never get the full appreciation from here or from the church as much as we like to and we want to and we do appreciate it. But the reality is we do all for the day when we stand before him and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's all the appreciation we ever need. If we have an attitude, and if you're serving in this house, we don't want you serving to get our appreciation as much as we will try to give you that. We want you with a heart and an attitude that's longing for the day when you stand before him and you hear his affirmation, his acceptance over your life when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's going to be someday. I hope it doesn't happen for a while yet. But it's what a day is going to be. And if you look at the story of Daniel here, we can pick up some lessons about serving. But if we're talking about serving, that is a verb, by the way, which is a doing word. For those of you who didn't go to Cumnock Academy, a verb is a doing word. And serving is a doing word. It's a verb. But those who do serving, the noun is servant. So what's a servant? Here are some definitions that Kira has so wonderfully put in for me. A servant is a person working in the service of another. One that performs duties about the person or home of a master. If you call this God's house, this is the home of the master. A devoted and helpful follower or supporter. One who expresses submission, recognition or debt to another. A person who performs tasks under the direction of another. Let me suggest that we all can take that and those and put them to ourselves in the service of him. We are servants. We are working in the service of the king, of kings. We're one who performs duties about the person and about his house, his house and the people. We should be devoted and helpful followers of Jesus Christ. We should be expressing submission to him. It's no point singing about it. Jesus, take control. From now, we've sung the song. Let's hope it's not just a song, but we submit to his authority. We recognize and we're in debt to him. We're forever in debt to the one who took our suffering and our pain and our sicknesses and our sins on Calvary. We are forever indebted to him. And also, we should be doing it under the direction of him. So that's what a servant is, and we'll keep them up. So as we look at Daniel, here, Daniel's in captivity. He's a Jewish, he's a, a, a God person, he's a follower of God, but Israel's in Babylon under captivity. Uh, if the Old Testament 
God's people were okay, then rebelled against God, problems came, God delivered them, and they cried out. Then there was a recurring theme of uh, oppression from other sources when they walked away from God. But then the king, and the key verse was verse 16 and what I said and what I'm trying to say this morning. This king, who was not this godly, I didn't worship God, Daniel's God, said this to him when he was putting him into the dinner lines. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. Daniel, your God, I recognize you're a servant of God. You serve God. But let me put it in a way that the king's attitude towards Daniel and his respect and appreciation of Daniel was not because of the way that Daniel served his God, but because of how Daniel served the king. Darius was not a big fan of Daniel's because he was a God worshiper, but he was a big fan of Daniel because of his attitude and what he'd done in service to the king. Because Daniel had an attitude like, my service is not only vertical as far as my relationship with God, but it affects horizontally my relationship with others. And my attitude is that everything I do is for the glory of God. And how I serve God is going to be the best I can. But it's not just been how I serve God. It's how I serve my workmates. It's how I serve my boss. It's how I serve my neighbors. It's how I serve my family. It's how I serve my church. Daniel's attitude, it's not just about me and God and I'm just going to do all the worshiping stuff and come to church. But I live in an attitude where I am a servant of God. And in every relationship I have, I'm going to act out that servanthood even if it's with my enemies and my workmates and my boss and my neighbors, my attitude, I'm a servant and I'm here to serve and bring glory to God. Whatever I'm doing, I'm giving it my best and I'm going to bring glory to God in how I serve my boss, my workforce, my authorities, the people in our land, my next door neighbor. That's the reality. See, Jesus told a story once. You can read it in chapter 25 when he's talking with his disciples and He's basically talking about end times and when, uh, future and then judgment and rewards and that type of thing. And Jesus said, guys, it's going to be okay because when the day comes, he says, um, God, Father God's going to see you. And uh, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you came and you visited me. And then just run about, you can, can you just catch the picture of the disciples just looking at one another? Can you, if you read the context of it, the disciples looking at one another says, well, I must have been on vacation when that happened, okay? It was a stuff that I wasn't invited to me, okay? John, why did you not text me when this was going on? Because I can't remember these things. I can't remember Jesus. I can't remember his feeding him. I can't remember when he was naked and we bought him clothes at uh, what, Primark or Marks and Spencer's, wherever you buy your clothes, John Lewis. So I can't remember when he was sick. I can't remember going to see him in hospital. Nobody told us he was sick. Why did nobody tell us he was sick? Why? And you can see the disciples, can he have that type of conversation? In between the lines, George loves to read in between the lines. If you read the context, because then Jesus had to say, listen, guys, it says, when you done it unto the least of these, you done it to me. It wasn't me, but whenever you do something in my name and do something for other people, you are serving me. You're serving others. Ephesians 6 and 7 says, serve wholeheartedly as if you are serving God, not people. It says, whatever you're doing, you're doing it for him. Because I want to tell you, most of our serving, it's for him, but it's to others. It's for him always, but it's sometimes and mainly to others. 
And Daniel had that attitude, an attitude. Yes, Daniel had attitude, but his attitude, whatever I'm doing it, whatever I'm doing, and whoever I'm doing it for, I'm doing it for him, but I'm doing it my best. And when I'm doing something for other people, I've got an attitude, I'm doing this for the Lord. How about you and I, whenever we're taking a neighbor's bin in during the week, I have an attitude of, I'm doing this for him. Have you got an attitude, oh, it's his turn next week. I've done it for the past five weeks. Listen, whatever we do, if we have a servant attitude, if we are, Jesus says, whoever's going to be the greatest has to be the least among you. We need a servant attitude and a servant attitude, but serving is practical. Serving is practical. In the churches, what Jackie says, there's a lot of serving that needs done. And as we're going to another service and we're changing some stuff, we need more people serving in the house. And some serving requires ability, there's no doubt. And if you read the story here, it says of Daniel and his servant, he proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. But because of Daniel's great ability, the king had plans to make him head over the whole empire. That's wow, isn't it? Wow. Because he had ability. There's some things where ability is needed. And same in church life. Listen, he proved himself. Listen, he didn't start off being the boss man. But because of his faithful and his attitude while he was doing the other stuff, that's what promoted him. And listen, we need an attitude of, I'll do the tough stuff. I've known, certainly not in this church, obviously, but in other churches where people have joined your church and because they've got great ability, they think they can get the top jobs. They think, oh, I should be right up there because of my ability. Because I'm great at it. And listen, ability is important. It says in Psalm that David guided his people with integrity of heart, but with skillful hands. And we need ability. But it's not just ability. Ability needs the application. It's not just about aptitude. It's about attitude. And Daniel didn't start at the top. He started with an attitude. Whatever needs done, I'm going to do it. Because there's always a development phase. I want to tell you, and it's an easy illustration to make. I've done some training with AOG. I know some days you wouldn't know it, but for about three years, I've done some training to become a minister, to become a servant, if you like, in this capacity. I'm going to tell you, it wasn't just about the aptitude, because there was a lot of stuff, that, stuff within it that I could do quite capably. But three years was, I've said before, it was about the worst three years of my life. Because God had to do something in me before I got to the stage where I was ready to serve in that capacity. And I had to do stuff that I didn't want to do. And the reality is, it's not just about ability and aptitude, though that is important. And if you've got abilities and attitude, then don't be shy. No attitude. If you've got attitude, don't come and speak to me. Speak to Kathy. But if you've got abilities, come and let us know. But don't be shy with your abilities. Let us know if you can do stuff. But let me also say, just because you think you can do it, doesn't mean to say that you can do it. Okay, I've seen some people on the X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, and honestly, some of them people should have had people in their lives who love them enough to say, don't you ever go near that program, because you'll embarrass us, you'll embarrass your family, and you'll embarrass everybody who knows you. So just because somebody says, and just because you say you can do it, we appreciate your willingness, but that doesn't mean to say that you can do it. There's a sense in which I've said about I'm doing my training. David is doing his training. He completes his training with AOG. He should get his ministerial status at this year's conference in May. And he's going through a training period. 
Hey, that is great. And that is wonderful. And we thank God for that. But just because A or G give him a ticket or a certificate doesn't change who he is. But what it is, it's been a process where fellow ministers, pastors, leaders in ARG have affirmed that he is a young man with a call on his life and is capable of serving God in a way which reflects glory to God and to ARG. But there was an affirmation. It wasn't just David said, I'm chapping your door one day. I'm writing to ARG. Please give me a certificate to say I'm a minister. They said, no, there needs to be a process. We will affirm at the end of your training whether you th- we think you can serve God in this way. And it's the same with anything of ability. Recognize you've got ability, you've got talents, you've got gifts, and please let us know. But please have an attitude that says if you don't recognize it, then that's okay. And we get it wrong sometimes. But Daniel's ability was affirmed by a king who looked on and said, this guy can serve. He's sown it and he's shown it in a practical way, and we recognize this guy's the real deal. Because serving is practical. We love all the things about serving. It's great. And Paul says, I'm a servant of the Lord Most High. And all that. But I want to tell you, serving can be hard work and it's practical. And it's also persistent. We love the platform stuff. We love all that stuff. But serving is every practical issue in church life. If you're great at admin, if you're great at fundraising, if you're a plumber, if you're a joiner, please let us know. We all need these. But talent's not enough, as John Maxwell wrote in a book once. Application, attitude is important. But listen to Daniel. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. I.e., when he said he would do something, he'd done it. When his name was on the rotor to come that day, he was there that day. When he made a pledge to do something, you could be relied on that he was going to do it. If he said he was going to do it, he would do it. Listen, we don't want to have a house of condemnation, but if you're serving in this house and we say we're going to do something, let's be people who says, I'll do it. If, we can, if you put your name down for rotor, let's have the confidence that let's prove that you say you'll do what you said you'll do. You'll be when you said you will be. Listen, if you're lying in your dead bed, that's okay, but let us know. Okay, but listen, Daniel had a persistence. His servant, serving was practical. It's getting your hands dirty and getting involved and doing stuff that needs done. But he was also persistent. He kept doing it. He was consistent in the good times and the bad times. And if you read this story, he was flying, even in a hostile environment as far as his religion, his religion, his faith was concerned. He was doing well. He was successful. He was going places. He was getting high up. He was getting promoted. But whenever that happened, whenever there was a sense of he's getting recognized, jealousy kicked in. Never know it doesn't happen in church life. And no one never think, why are they in the praise team and not me? Why do they get to lead a life group and I don't? Why are they in charge of a department and I've never been in charge of anything in the house? I know it doesn't happen in this house. But it can happen whenever somebody gets a bit of promotion or recognition. You can be sure. And if you're persistent in your serving, you need to stay persistent. If you're serving God with a right heart and a right attitude, and God will reward you because God rewards you when you're faithful in what you're doing. 
and you will get recognition. But there's always be some opposition. And just let me say something. Do you know why people in this house get promoted and get involved? Because they're persistent in the other things to get them. And they're faithful and they've got a good attitude. Anyways, but there'll always be people out to get you whenever you get a bit of recognition and promotion. And as these guys just got a bit jealous of Daniel and they came across as gullible king, played to his ego and says, Darius, we've come up with a great idea. We're going to have a month of embrace. Okay, we've got a theme of it, embrace for this month. It's a great idea. We're going to embrace praying for a month, Darius. What do you think of this idea? It's a great idea, we think. We're going to have a month where our focus, our daily readings are going to be embrace. We're going to have a focus every week about embrace, Darius. But we decided instead of embracing God, we're going to have embrace Darius month. Let's embrace Darius month. Let's have people focusing on you, Darius. You're the great guy. You're awesome. You're incredible. You're wonderful, Darius. And we want everybody to recognize how great you are, Darius. And we think we're going to have 30 days where everyone's going to be praying, praying and fasting and all the rest of it. But they're only going to pray to you, Darius, because you're the guy. You're the great guy. You're awesome. You're wonderful. We think you're brilliant. And Darius is thinking, yeah, that's what I am. <laughs> what a great idea that is. Wow, I like that. I like that idea. Just a life warning here. You be careful when people are coming just to tickle your ears. Now, we want an atmosphere and a culture of encouragement and built up. But it needs to be real. But you be careful when people come to tickle your ears. I remember some time ago, I was invited to a birthday party of somebody in church and didn't know them that well. And I wondered, why am I invited to this party? It was nice, and they said nice things to me, and encouraged me, and said nice things to me. But on my mind, I'm thinking, there's the people here, I don't know that many, and I don't know why I'm in the end crowd here. I was going on, and they were saying nice things, and invite me, and it was nice, and all the rest of it. But then halfway through that night, there was an agenda come out, and I knew, oh, that's why I'm here. And all the nice things, and the invite, and all the rest. It wasn't for me, it's for their agenda to get worked through me. I thank God I recognize that and it didn't come to anything. But listen, you be careful when people are just tickling your ears for their own agenda. Let's have an atmosphere of encouragement, but you be careful because people will come and tickle your ears like they did with Aries and he fell into a trap which he regretted. Just throwing it out there. Because this king was for Daniel. But then he had to pass the law because he'd passed it. And then this thing had to happen. Listen, Darius, MD who doesn't pray to you, let's throw them into a den of hungry lions. Because they didn't have hungry hippos in those days. They only had hungry lions, okay? But I'm sure they got the idea from here to start the game. And then back over at Daniel, he's like a Houston, we have a problem moment. Houston, I've got a problem. But I've got a decision to make, Daniel says. And this is what it says, I recognize that I'm a servant. I recognize that I'm here to serve the best way I can in this environment. But I recognize that I'm a servant of the king of kings above the king. I'm a servant of the king, but beyond that, 
my principles in life, my attitude in life is not that I serve the king, but that I serve the king of kings. And that has to be expressed on a practical basis. But if there comes a point where I have to make a, di a distinction, if I have to make a stand between serving the king and the current environment and what's going on, or serving the king of kings, Daniel says, I'm sorry, but my attitude is that the king of kings comes first. And I'm not doing anything which is contrary to me serving the king of kings. And I'm going to serve him. And that means I can't do stuff then I can't do stuff because I'm serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we want people with an attitude above everything our serving is for the King of Kings and we serve him and we belong to him and what we do is for him. And that means sometimes in, a, in a, an environment in a society which can become more anti-God and anti-Christian values, there's times we maybe need to take a stand. The old Sunday school song says, dare to be a Daniel, dare to uh, to stand alone, there to have a purpose from, there to make it known. Sometimes we need to stand, but let me say that we need to stand, and if you're standing for something, please, please, please hear me that. Listen, there's times in our society, because we serve the King of Kings, there's things we have to say no to. There's things that we have to say no, because God is an unchanging God. He's the same yesterday and today and forever, and God's values and God's character and God's standards never change, and there comes a time we have to say no. But listen, if we have a stand for anything, let's not make a noise of being a stand against things. Let's make a stand that we are for God, we are for church, we are for social justice, we are for righteousness. Don't make another reputation, I'm against this and I'm against that. No, we are standing for the glory of God. We are standing for God. We are standing for righteousness. We are standing for church, we are standing for families, we are standing for something, not against something. We are standing for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Daniel had that type of attitude. And in serving and embracing, serving, sometimes it can be costly. Daniel was in a different place from most of us, but I loved his response. Here's the response. When this thing got passed and he was going to get thrown into these hunger lines, it says, when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day just as he had always done. What a consistency that was. I.e., in good times and bad times, I'm still going to serve. When things are going well, when things are not going well, I'm still going to serve. I'm going to still serve the God of who I serve, the God to whom I serve. And whether it's a good day or a bad day or whether it could be a problem, whether it's going to cost me or not, I'm still going to serve. I want to tell you, costing, serving and costing go together. It's costly to serve. And just for this house, Daniel says, even when it's tough for me, even, at, even if there's a cost to me, I'm still going to be consistent. I'm still going to persist in being consistent. And my servant, because listen, I want to tell you, you might serve in here, and maybe you're missing church because you go out with the children. And sometimes, sometimes you're delighted to do that, but sometimes it can be costly because you're missing out on some of the service in church. Maybe you're standing out, getting cold and wet, greeting people coming in, but you're giving them a better church experience. You're giving the kids a better church experience. You may not be able to get all the church because you're in the media, in the sound. You maybe can't enter into the worship the way that the rest of us can because you're working in the media or in the sound desk. 
it's not as good for you. You might be greeting people and you get a kickback, you get knocked back, or because you're the first person that they see, you get all the frustrations of their week poured out in your face as you come in the door. And that means that you'll not get the best experience of church life. You might have to go to a place practice on a Tuesday night. That's costly because it's a night out. You might not get the jammy dodgers because you're serving tea to others before they get there. You're not getting thrown into a lion's den, but there's a sense in which it's costly. Serving is that you miss out in some way that others don't. Now, there's a joy in service. Sometimes, well, I'm not feeling that great this morning, but I'm going to have to go because I'm serving. Even if others are not great, they don't need to go because they're not serving. But it's costly. But listen, I want us to be Daniel attitudes with serving. He says, this is costly. He says, but I'm coming for God. And he says, and I've got a thankful heart because I still thank God that I get to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Daniel went before God when there was a law passed that he was going to get thrown into a den of lions. He says, listen, that's going to cost me. And I don't know the outcome, but you know what? I'm still thankful to God that I get to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I want to encourage you today. You might have a cost in your serving in the house, but I want us to have an attitude. You know what? I still get to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And even though these people don't fully appreciate it, he appreciates it. And I want to tell you, listen, if you're serving in this house, and whether it's at the door or whether it's at the sound desk or the ask me this or whether you're out with the kids or whatever, your service means that other people have a greater church experience. They have a greater experience of God. It means that you're allowing other people to worship God better than they would have done. It means that your God is getting greater worship and greater in praise because you're serving and costing. And I want to tell you, if your cost means that he gets more glory and praise and worship and adoration and people come to experience God in a new way, in a fresh way, your cost is worth it because you're giving him glory and you're bringing people into his presence in a greater way. So keep doing it because his attitude is, listen, they belong to me. We're going on. Band, just come up. We're going to sing again. But this is my last point, but it's an important point. Serving is practical. But Daniel 7 was also persistent. Whether you feel like it or not, Daniel's attitude was whether people see me or don't see me, whether people appreciate me or don't appreciate me, because there's one who always sees and always appreciates what I'm doing. And then this gullible guy, this king, who his ears tickles with people out for their own agenda, comes to Daniel, and this is the key verse that we're coming back to. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve faithfully, rescue you in this difficult time. Because you've got an attitude of servanthood, Daniel. Because you have an attitude that whatever you do, you're serving your God. Listen, my prayer is, and the guy didn't believe it, actually. The guy, Darius, didn't believe it because he had a sleepless night. He couldn't sleep. Isn't it amazing? He had a sleepless night worrying about what was happening to Daniel, and Daniel was just fast asleep in the den of lions. Okay, but this guy didn't believe it. He was fasting. He was up all night. He couldn't worry. And then he came running about the next morning and said, oh, Daniel, did he rescue you? Did he rescue you? He, he couldn't sleep all night while well, Daniel in the midst of it. But listen, that's because Daniel had a recognition that I belong to God. 
I am his servant. Listen, I'm his servant. I'm working in the service of another. He's my master. I'm a devoted follower, a supporter. I'm in submission or in debt to him, but I'm under the direction. But listen, Darius, chill out. Take a chill pill. It's okay, because I serve God. I have an attitude of servanthood to God. And because I'm a servant of God, I belong to him. He's my master. My attitude is, God, I serve you. But God's attitude is, as you serve me, I'm responsible for looking after you. I'm responsible for protecting you. I'm responsible for covering you. Your responsibility is to serve me, to do what I want, to have an attitude of doing what I'm asking you to do, to submit to my authority, to come and serve me with an attitude, I owe you so much, but I'm doing it out of love, not out of duty. But Daniel, because you've got an attitude, and Daniel recognizes Daniel, because you've got an attitude of you're serving me, I've got an attitude that I am taking responsibility to look after you and I protect you. And I want to tell you, when you've got an attitude, I'm serving God willingly. In the good times or the bad times, I'm serving him practically. I'm serving him persistently. I have an attitude, no matter what's going on, no matter whether people are looking or not looking, whether I get recognition or not recognition, whether the pastor appreciates me or not appreciates me, whether others look and say I'm doing a great job or not doing a great job, when nobody's looking, when everybody's looking, when I'm putting the chairs out, when nobody sees it, when I'm making the tea and coffee, when nobody sees it, I want to tell you, my attitude is God, it's a joy and a privilege to serve you. I'm serving the King of Kings. I love you. And I'm doing it because I love you and because I serve you. But Daniel, an attitude, because my attitude is right, because I know I'm doing it with a willing heart and a submissive heart and a recognition to his lordship, because I've said to him, take control, be the boss, be the one I'm serving. I know Daniel says that I know because my heart and my attitude are right, the heart of God towards me is, well, if you're doing that, it's my responsibility to look after you. It's my responsibility. It's not your responsibility to protect you or look after you. It's my responsibility. I want to tell you, if we've got an attitude, we were serving God with a great heart and a great attitude and a great application. Our God's got responsibility to take care of us and to look after us, even when they go and get stuff. When Paul was in a shipwreck in a boat and there was a storm, listen, you can read about it in Acts. He got up one night and said, listen guys, it's okay. It's not going to happen because I stood by me tonight, an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. I'm a servant of God. I'm in the process and I'm in the product of serving God. It's going to be all right. He's protecting me. It's okay. It's okay, guys. He's my, you can stand if you like. Listen, I'm protected by the living God because I'm serving him in them capacity. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace, you can read about it. It says, listen, you can throw us in and you get a blazing furnace. But listen, but the God whom we serve is able to deliver us. The God whom we serve. We're going into this. We've not got any fear because we're under the protection of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And even if he doesn't, it's his direction, his control. Listen, one day God was saying to the devil, hey, how great is Job? Do you think so? You can't do anything. And this is what the devil says to God. Yeah, I can't do anything about your servant because you've brought protection over his life. So the devil's saying, he's your servant. He serves you. And because of that, you've got protection over his life. And God said, well, I'll let you do a wee bit, but you need to add my permission because as he's a servant of mine, my protection's over him. Listen, guys. Servant's practical. Servant's persistent. But it brings protection. 
But with the doubting attitude, I'm a servant of the King of Kings. When you've got that attitude and you recognize that you're in debt to him, you will serve in any capacity. You'll do whatever's needed, whenever it's needed. And we need a house where people, we don't do it because, oh, we have to. We do it because we get to serve the King of Kings because we're in debt to the one who paid it all. But I want to tell you, when you've got that servant heart attitude, it's the master's responsibility to protect and look after you. Let's all stand now, shall we? Father, I pray you'll give us a heart like Daniel, a heart which is practical in its service. Lord, that we serve you, but it's worked out by serving others, by serving the church, by serving our neighbors, by serving our boss. Whatever, or whoever we're serving, but they do it with an attitude that we're doing it is unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I pray, Father, that we'll be persistent in our serving. The days we feel like it, the days we don't feel like it, the days when people are looking, the days when people are not looking, the days when we're appreciated, the days we're not appreciated. And when the going gets tough, we still serve you. But Lord, I thank you this morning for your protection over our lives. I thank you as your servants. We are yours. We belong to you. We're under your protection. We're under your supervision. We're under your authority. And I pray, Father God, for those who are going through some tough stuff, that they'll raise that protection all over their lives and they'll recognize and they won't stop them serving. Lord, help us to embrace serving in a greater way than we've ever done because it's a joy, it's a privilege, it's an honor to serve you in whatever way. And this morning, we just yield ourselves again to embrace serving, recognize that we're just humble servants of you. And we thank you as you're our master, you can take responsibility for our welfare and our well-being and all that is about us because we simply recognize we're not the big shots. We're the servants of the one whose name we want to make famous. Help us to make your name famous with our serving. And Lord, we long for the day when because we are faithful in our practical service and our persistence, others can look at your protection over life. And like Darius and the whole nation turned and said, your God's going to be our God. Help our lives to be such that in our nation, people look at us and look at us serving and your protection and your blessing over our lives. And they turn to say, we want your God to be our God. And we want to start serving you, God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forever. 